Welcome to Where You Even Listening, a music podcast about everything from indie underground music to the modern pop hits you would expect. Yeah, that one was a little better. I'm Britton. I'm Natalie. And welcome. We're going through a very important album, Idiot Pilot's Blue Blood, that came out on Tuesday, March 12th. I think if you knew about Idiot Pilot 12 years ago when their last album came out, you know about this one. Um... But if not, I hope that this episode serves as a way to introduce more people to this band, as well as their general, like, ecosystem of music. Because there's a lot of connections to other, like, popular groups, too, throughout their history that some people may not know about. So it's going to be hopefully not an incredibly long episode, but a very informative one, I would say. Yeah, I think so. So I guess we'll just start into getting into a little bit of the background and, and kind of why we chose this album. Mm-hmm. Um, well, or why you chose this album. Yeah. Because really, you made me listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been yelling about this album since it was announced, like, a month ago. Um, like, Idiot Pilot is a band that I loved, like, loved in middle and high school. And I still do. And that really, like, hasn't changed, nor probably will it anytime soon. Um, but it has been... 12 whole years since our last full-length album, Wolves, which is still one of my favorite albums. Um, Actually, it was the album that changed your life. Check it out at abronow.com. A feature in the uh, Spectator Music section of the Spectator Edinburgh University's campus newspaper. But (laughs) we did this thing called Album That Changed My Life, and we still do, I guess, um, where we would ask the writers for the section what albums really, like, spoke to them the most, really. And this was the one that I chose, was Wolves. And... I've never really stopped listening to this album, but it was definitely, like, my heaviest played thing probably throughout high school, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Wolves was produced, actually, by Mark Hoppus from Blink-182, and it led to them touring with Hoppus's band, Plus 44, um, which I recently did a commentary track for with Stereo Confidential. I'd never heard that album before, but apparently if I would have just read Wikipedia, I would have known that they had something to do with Idiot Pilot, and then I would have been much more enticed to listening Definitely to it. Definitely would have been more exciting. Yeah, and Retina in the wow. Sky was like the lead single on that album, and it was on the soundtrack of the first Transformers movie by Michael Bay. And they worked with Deftones at a remix of Teenager. I'm rolling my eye at the Michael Bay, but I really love Deftones, so that's exciting. Yeah, um, and they've also toured with them around that time as well, which I thought was really cool. It's funny, because when we get into the tracks later, I do have a little comparison to Deftones yeah. for one of the songs, So, but we'll get into that later. I guess. In 2010, the band released The Tale of a Jet Black Swan, which ended up being their last official release, as in 2011, they announced a hiatus. Um, they also said that a compilation release was in the works, but it never ended up coming out in any, like, official capacity. And there's, like, some tracks, like, on YouTube that were, like, B-sides or rarities and stuff that you can find, but it was never, like, a, a full album. Um, and then since then, Daniel Anderson, who is one half of the band, has been working on other projects from producing Hero to Hero to his own brand of tropical-sounding songs about death and dying under the name Glowbug. Love that. Yeah, he released several full-length albums. Um, one of them, Headhunters, is really, really good, so check that out. Um, um, so cool. And then there was another group with Daniel Finfer called Ancient Lasers, which was also really cool. But according to an article by Brent Cole of What's It magazine, Blue Blood came about by Daniel and Michael getting back in touch and working together on several songs. Eventually, this led to the collaboration that formed into the album. So I really like the font... And then, I don't know what the other one is. That looks like Times New Roman. Yeah, the idiot pilot font is just Times New Roman. It's lowercase. 
I think they go really well together. Yeah. I like it a lot. <laughs> Okay, whatever. I obviously have no deep opinions to add. Well, but no. You've, you've heard their first album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, before we even decided to do this, I've heard Strange We Should Meet Here. I didn't really know Wolves that well, um, but I definitely listened to the 2004 record in my past at some point. At some point. Yeah. I mean, that one That one has the um, Day in a Life of a Pole Shark, which the music video is just them beating each other up for like four minutes. That's amazing. And like... I remember seeing that, like, on MTV at some point. Um, but that, they were assigned to Warner Brothers, so, like, they had the, the marketing and the... And I just think, like, after such a long hiatus, for those who still remember them and who may still be fans, um, it's definitely something where I feel like the expectations were a little bit more intense because it had been so long. Yeah. But in my opinion, I f- really feel like this record lives up to what would would be expected and if not more i think the sound is more refined and, yeah. and grown comparatively i think there there are a few times you know when a band comes back from a break where you're like okay this will either be really good or the or end. A disaster yeah and like we've seen that i think with some popular bands i know like after interpol's break um between their self-titled and um Alpine tour like there was some sort of a shift <laughs> And they went back to making music that was sort of like their first album, but also inspired by the rest of the influences that they have accumulated, you know, in their career since. Mm -hmm. And I think because Daniel's been kind of involved with so many different projects since the last album, it's really reflected, I think, just like that experience. Because like they were in high school when they made Strange We Should Be Mm -hmm. Here. And like, it's honestly, it's amazing to think that that album came from someone who was 17. Teen angst. Yeah. And, like, this is just, it's it's refined, and it's the same, like, mood and energy. It's just... Yeah, you like, you could tell they're the same band. It's nothing, yeah. like, it's nothing too out there, I guess, mm-hmm. comparatively. But you could definitely tell that, that they've grown up, so... Yeah. As far as press so far goes, um, Murderous was the lead single, and it was featured on Spotify playlists, like New Music Friday... New Noise, and All New Rock. And when I wrote the document that we're looking at, it had 44,000 streams on Spotify. It's got like 60,000 now. That's good. Yeah. Which, I mean, really is good. It's probably all you, but no. I'm yeah, kidding. no, honestly, probably. <laughs> um, for a band back from the dead, I think that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's that's good. Um, Bring in the Noise UK gave it a 8 out of 10 review, saying Idiot Pilot's return is sincere and meaningful with Lou Blood. The band's resurfacing doesn't feel desperate or out of touch or stuck in the past. The record is better than its predecessor in almost every way. Harris's vocals are matured, the lyricism has evolved, and the music is profoundly more textured. But it's important to remember here that after the duo's last album, a 12-year break could be the best thing that has happened for Idiot Pilot. The album, um, again, when I wrote the document, <laughs> had a 83 user score on albumtheyear.org based off only a few reviews but like yeah it wasn't very like there i was looking for some too and i only found a couple and none of them was there was no like pitchfork or anything too big that like took it on so i think kerrang is probably the biggest um publication that has talked about the album um and they always were relatively positive with the Mm -hmm. the previous releases so it's good that that like that appreciation for this band is still there in some aspect 
Distorted Sound Magazine gave it a pretty glowing review, I think. So, uh, for all the new elements and nuances, what's not changed is the fact that Blue Blood is very much an idiot pilot record, and I agree with this. Uh, as far as comeback albums go, it is up there with the best of them. This is the audible equivalent of throwing on your favorite jumper for the first time in months as the temperature drops, or sliding your feet into the pair of well-worn shoes that you can't bear to throw away. That's a little much of an analogy, but that's fine. I still agree. It's comfortable, easygoing, and brings about the warmest of glows eliminating from within. We've missed you guys. We've missed you a lot. That's, yeah, I That's mean, from Distorted Sound Magazine. Mood. Definitely really. a mood. It gets, it gets a little much at the end, but, <laughs> but I still agree. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, let's just get into it. What are your standout tracks here? Let's talk about those first, and then we can kind of okay. get into the overall um, structure. So my, my standout tracks are definitely, it's like that middle part of the album mm-hmm. is where I found I really enjoyed it the most. Uh, Sideways, Asylum, and Only So Much, I would say, are my favorites. No, I can feel that. <laughs> um, for me, I think it's sideways um asylum and silver needle i think those are my my big three like asylum and sideways like it is it's not rare but like for us to 100 percent like agree on top tracks on things doesn't happen that often yeah i like, feel i mean we have similar taste in music obviously um we listen to a lot of the same stuff obviously yeah. but it's like i think we gravitate towards different things like within albums i think yeah so yeah. it is kind of interesting that we both have pretty much similar they're just like they are just good songs like that's just they have so much there's like there's so much layering in the production aspects like the vocals are very very good the lyrics are understandable in a way that you can kind of connect to them like there's not a weird i don't know how i'm trying it's not too conceptual you know Mm. like it's it's simplistic but not in a bad way yeah yeah it's just like bait like a human emotion as, as the impetus for each of these songs. And, like, that I kind of respect because we do so many albums that are just, like, conceptual and mysterious. Yeah. And what could they be talking like about? Like 21 Pilots? <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? Like, We are up. banditos. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, Sideways is a little underspoken. It's relatively simple. And it it's constant. Like, it doesn't change a lot. But every aspect of it that is there is just so well done yeah i and that was one tour it was like five seconds into the song i already was like this is gonna be my favorite off the record like i just already knew it was that it's just that kind of like post grunge that we don't really hear Mm. anymore or like that kind of music doesn't necessarily get made too much anymore um and it's like kind of got that distorted feel where the where the instrumentals override the lyrics a little bit in that way and it kind of takes the front seat and the lyrics take the back seat which doesn't happen very often so and it feels like, this record wouldn't sound out of place if it came out in, like, 2012. Like, in, like oh, if, absolutely. if this was their third album that came out right after Wolves, it would have fit. Because it was still that era of, like, rock and, like, post-hardcore, post-grunge, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, it does fall in place with, like, Deftones to a lesser t- extent, mm-hmm. like, maybe Linkin Park. But, like, that energy, that kind of band mm-hmm. that was very prevalent in the early 2000s. And... It kind of calls back to those styles without feeling... It respects the, like, sonic landscape of these types of bands without being masturbatory. And I think that's, like, what makes this stand out as both a really solid rock album in 2019, but also a follow-up to Idiot Pilot. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Asylum's really good. And, like, I think it blends what Idiot Pilot sounded like with the electronic aspects of Glowbug in a way that makes a really, like, unique, dark dance song, either about being insane or in a relationship. I'm not sure which. Michael's vocals are really refined, and a lot of the sustained notes that he has really drive forward the song as the percussion, like, just goes and gets more and more intense. And, like, I'm pretty confident at one point there's, like, this really subtle marimba effect, like, in the <laughs> left ear that I really appreciate it. So. I mean, yeah, definitely. I feel like Asylum, for me personally, this is this is where the album peaked. Like, this for me was just, like, this was the best it got, and then it dropped off a little bit not to take away from the from the album overall but i definitely think this is like this is where it peaked was mm-hmm. asylum it's very good i wasn't i don't think expecting you to like only so much and that's something I, yeah. that i would like to talk about because okay it's very it has like other country western guitars it has yes. the southern twang yeah it down-to-earth acoustics It's it's a very simple and effective song. My only gripe is that I feel like it's kind of weird coming where it does in the album. I I agree with the placement. It it did feel a little off because like the first the first two songs you had a, a kind of a feel going, and then I felt like when this or first three songs, and then I felt like when this song came on, it felt like we were switching gears a little bit, and then sideways and then, just and goes then going back. back. The first mode. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, but you know, it's also at the same, you know where are you going to put this song? Because it technically doesn't necessarily flow well with with any of it, it wouldn't, per se. Like, you couldn't put it in between aerospace yeah. and sleep either because they go exactly. together. Exactly. So, so it's like, where do you put it? Yeah. Um, but, see, like, I'm a fan of the Western guitar thing, despite the fact that I really don't like country at all. But I did really, like... And, like, I know this was a surprising probably one for me to gravitate towards because it's, it's not my normal thing, I would think. But this song just, well, first of all, it just kind of, like, made me feel a little bit, like, more so than the previous tracks that came before it. I felt like this was the first one I made a real connection with. So, I don't know. I think, and I think it was part of the, how it was different, probably grabbed my attention more, hmm. because, just because it Right, because you're in like one that. mode, and then suddenly yeah. it's, like, time for some bluegrass. Yeah. And then you're <laughs> But like, it, it wasn't, right. it wasn't. Like, yes, it had that Western guitar thing, but, but it's like, not. it's not a bluegrass song. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not, not it's not too, it still fits, it's just, mm-hmm. it definitely has, and I like that, though, it's not even like I dislike that, like, that's as close as I'll get to liking country music as the, is the Western guitar thing. It reminded me <laughs> a lot of um, their song Glass Fields from their first EP, which you can find on YouTube, and I don't think anywhere else. But that's a really, really good song, and it's very much... I love the, those kinds of releases where yeah. you got to go to, like, the, the deep depths of Bandcamp <laughs> and, and YouTube to find it. Um, but it's the same type of focus on, like, this different type of guitar work than you're seeing in the other tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and your I, other standout was Silver, Silver Needle. Silver Needle, yeah. It's really odd to me that, like, given how kind of dark and moody and stormy their first two albums are that this is just like this relentlessly optimistic and positive song and mm-hmm. like i think that comes from just having different perspective and time and all that like that's obviously i'm sure part of it but it's really a good representation of like what time and practice and effort can do to a musician cool. 
This is the this is like the peak form of Idiot Pilot, and like they just became a band again. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm very interested to see if there are going to be projects like this in the future. If there are going to be more albums from them, I don't know, but I really like hope that there are because this song is just so so much of like proof that like this band has something special. Yeah, to it. I think this one was an important one to have as a part of the dialogue. It's like so much that I feel like the album would f- would be incomplete without it. Mm. Like, I just feel like it, I don't know, I feel like it was a necessary to be there. And then, as far as, like, the lyrics go, it's a very positive song. It's about how everybody has something special about them. And the one part itself, there's no shame in being small, part of the thing that makes you you. Don't hesitate to demonstrate the power of truth. And, like, the chorus is that everybody's beautiful, basically. And, like, it's just, it's a really nice sentiment wrapped up in this incredibly well-produced package how do you feel about bombs away as the opener um i think i think it's a good opener i feel like if i heard this as an opener to an album and i that i wasn't reviewing or going to talk about i'm not sure i would have gave it a chance but it is fun like i feel like i wasn't sure what to expect what what the sound was going to be going Mm. into it expecting especially after the intro um but i think it's energetic I feel like it's exactly how after, like, a dozen years of not releasing a record, that's probably the energy you're going to want to bring into your opener. Um, And I really, really like the bridge. I think as I kept listening, I liked it more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think it's a really good, like you said, you you don't really know what to expect until the song kind of is is waning down. Yeah, like, in the first five seconds, like, I could be hearing a Marilyn Manson song. Like, I don't know. (laughs) There is no telling. Yeah, like... There's no knowing where we're going. (laughs) Um, but I think it's a really strong, like, proof of concept. So, like, if you're just finding Idiot Pilot and you just see this song, like, you, if you listen to albums in order like you should, you're like, okay, you know what this is about. It's sort of electronic-inspired rock. There's some screamy elements to it, strong vocals, big, powerful drums. It's like, it has everything that makes up what I would call an Idiot Pilot song. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just... As an opener, that's really important, especially since we haven't seen a lot from the band. Yeah. Um, for the pushover, that song is just... I would have loved that song in 2009. Hashtag relatable. Yeah. Like, they would have replaced the bravery in 2009, <laughs> for, bravery. I think. <laughs> just with this song. <laughs> just with that song. Um, but yeah. I know I definitely agree that it's hashtag relatable, though. It's like society <laughs> and the expectations that cause people to lose the ability to pursue and enjoy bits of themselves that they used to before. They had all of these responsibilities. Like... It's a lot. Yeah, I feel like just certain things of how we're expected to, like, be more as we get older. Mm-hmm. And we can't just, like, exist. We have to be doing something meaningful with our time. And it's just so easy to just yeah. say, like... It's, that shit gets tiring, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I think it leads up to this kind of explosive finale in a way that, you know, people can relate to, I feel like. Because you can only take so much shit before, you know, like, something happens. <laughs> like, you either find a new place to be, find a new career, find something else to do, a new way to express yourself. But, like, it kind of just shows that frustration in a way, and I really like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, Mammoth, I mean, I appreciate a good diss track as much as the Maybe the point is I'm totally fine. Now that you're not relevant, the elephant can die. Like, ah! It's also a callback to their song of Wolves, Elephant, um, with, with the one line, the elephant can die, and the elephant can die in this one. 
it's just it's so good the drums are really really good um which is i mean kind of the commentary i have on every track on this <laughs> album i think i mean that's a good that's a good consensus to have though i mean <laughs> yeah so the production is insane and just so good mm-hmm. so many layers that without them like it, it wouldn't be the same i feel like mm-hmm. um like however long it took to to produce each of these tracks i feel like was well worth it for something this strong i'm also wondering like probably when this album necessarily came about because i feel like i know they obviously didn't spend 12 years working on an album right at some point they decided to get back together Mm -hmm. and and to make something so i just i i don't know when that was i mean i think the um the what's up article said that it was at least a few years ago mm-hmm. that they started sending things to each other. And, then, and it eventually just became yeah. became um, a whole piece. Mm-hmm. It's good. And then obviously skipping through the ones that we already talked about. Um, yeah. Then after Asylum, Murderous kind of switches up gear. Not only with, like, with the tempo, but I feel like with the overall feel a little mm-hmm. bit. I feel like it's definitely more of the 2004, 2007 sound they had. So if like that's what you're yeah. into, I think you'll yeah, be yeah, excited yeah. about that. this one. It's not my favorite, personally. I think it's the closest to what... like. A fan would probably expect. Yeah. I think. Like, when it was posted, it's, like, for fans of heavier idiot pilot. And, like, it's very much that, but it has more to it than that. Like, it's not just spark plug, which is, like, a lot of screaming. And then, like, a two-line chorus. It's, which, I mean, I love spark plug. Don't get me wrong. Really good song from the first album. But, like, it has so much that just, like, it takes the the earlier energy, the 2004, the 2007 energy, but refines it and makes it come across modern and almost, like, effortless in a way because, like, the beat switch from the intro to the bridge and then, I mean, it happens, like, twice in the song, so I don't know if it's actually the bridge or not, but, like, I'm going to call it the bridge and pretend I know things about songwriting. Um, (laughs) The chorus is great. I think it was a good pick for the single because it has everything that the rest of the album does. It has the electronic elements. It has the hardcore instrumentation and percussion. It has Michael's really strong vocals, like, kind of much like Bombs Away. It's, like, it's it's a good song to represent the whole. He doesn't get screamy often, but in this record particularly, but in Bombs Away, there's a little bit. I think Saboteur, despite being, like, a really kind of pop song as far as an Idiot Pilot song goes, it's sold well. I agree. Not to, like, force a connection with a different band or anything, but this reminds me a little bit of the sound Deftones had on Gore, specifically mm. towards the end of the album. I oh, like with Gore like, a lot. With, like, Rubicon. Yeah. Like, that. this reminds me a lot of Rubicon. It was. It's just more of that upbeat rock sound, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, yeah. I it's definitely like... the most pop-like I've seen Deftones as well, so... Mm-hmm. I liked that album, I think, a yeah. lot more than most people did. but I, I don't think people liked it as much as, as like, White Pony and, and Around the Fur, but... Yeah. You know. It was good, though. Yeah, I, I, I remember reviewing that one. Yeah. Like, it was good. But, yeah, it's just, like, it could be, like, a regular pop song. If this was done by, like, another band. Or, like, if this was just written for a pop star. Or not, like, not star, but, like, a pop act. I feel like it would fit. The band is really, like, giving it their all here, I feel. And, like, the percussion is mesmerizing. The piano is really, like, effective and strong. And I noticed it, like, almost right away listening to the song. And, like, it's previously mentioned in the um, the interview that I, I talked about earlier that the band doesn't want to, like, potentially tour for this album other than doing maybe a few shows. And, like, I could see this being 
the like crowd pleaser song, like the song that everybody in the crowd is singing along to. Because it just, it really, it lends itself to that with a more pop-oriented songwriting style. Yeah, the hit. The hit, you will. if you will. <laughs> um, and then the conclusion's really good, and I like it. Widespread devastation. I mean, I really like it. There's a synthy vibe here. I mean, this is this whole thing is like electronic rock, but I this one's a little bit more synthy, and I really like that. And what I also like about it is it's not like what I usually gravitate towards, which is more like depressive rock. Yeah. <laughs> but this is like actually kind of like upbeat, easy listening, fun. And I still enjoyed it, so I think that says something about it. It's like a positive yeah. sounding song, despite the, widespread devastation. The lyrics yeah. not being positive <laughs> sounding. Um, but I think it's just, it's really good. And like, I don't, ultimately, I don't have a lot to say about this song just because like it is good. It fits well on the album. And like, this one gets stuck in my head. And like, I've been listening to this album like sort of a lot this week so that we could be, you know, ready for this, obviously. And I was excited. But, like, this one, I, I catch myself, like, humming to myself often from when it came out anyway. So, it's a good one. Aerospace and The Big Sleep are really similar. Um, yeah. They're both kind of, like, moody, dreamy tracks. I would definitely see dreamy. That's kind of what I was thinking when I was listening as well. Um, I definitely think The Big Sleep, I mean, that's that's a pretty ideal way to end a record. Yeah, I, I that really... That was a solid way to, to close it out, so. The guitar on there is like super standout for me and i mean the rest of the song is kind of like stripped until it gets bigger like in the second half but the guitar is just really really strong that pushes it i think it's a solid closure and like aerospace grows on you i think at least it grew on me i was i was just thinking i was like you know i think it's i it maybe it will grow on me over time is kind of what i was thinking about it my thing with it and this is really weird and like i also i don't want to force a, a comparison but like deftones makes sense because they've worked with deftones before yeah. and like there's obviously that appreciation there between both of the bands but like it feels kind of like an early radiohead song and then i could see that because it feels like an early radiohead song it feels like an early coldplay song because oh. coldplay just wanted to be radiohead of their first album uh, like you feel it i guess <laughs> i don't really i don't really like that we're comparing radiohead and coldplay right now but, they, I... but like coldplay wanted to be radiohead on their first album yeah yeah All right, but okay, uh, final thoughts then. I think this is an explosive and unique album from a now-matured band, back from a 12-year hiatus, ready to, I hope, make more music just as well-constructed and inspiring as his pieces. For me, I think it's a much-needed post-rock album at a time where we just haven't really been getting any new notable records of the sound. I mean, Interpol kind of recently released an album, but, you know... And they do it in a way that doesn't feel nostalgic either. Like, it's current, it's authentic, and yeah. it's unique. And that's so. what I meant earlier, you yeah. know, with that comment that I struggled to find the right words for. It was, like, it's so much of an era, but it doesn't, you know, rely too much on the tropes of that era. Hot Topic or Zoomies? Like, what do you... They're, they're... Closer to Zoomies, I think. Yeah. I mean, they're very similar vibes, but, like, Zoomies is a little darker, I think. Zoomies just has weed. Zoomies that's, is, no, that's actually, the thing. Zoomies is a little more skater boy, I feel, yeah, than Hot Topic. Hot Topic is the darker one. Zoomies is the skater boy Well, one. Hot Topic was the darker one. Now, yeah, now they just, just sell Captain band t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> but still. WWE merchandise. <laughs> I really just, I, those stores are just so weird. It's just like, <laughs> it's dark in there. Like, it, it's dark and it's like, 
I don't know. Like, I just can't be in there for too long. See, I remember the first time I went to Hot Topic, I had to get, like, dragged into it by my friends that frequented it. My Like, they were very much into, like, Paramore and the scene. <laughs> well, that was, the, the that was their clientele. It was, like, 2007. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was, like, post the goth part and into kind of, like, pop, rock, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I remember proudly displayed at the front of the store was, like, this giant spiked black boot. And I'm like, I don't know if this is a store for me. <laughs> um, but then I went in and got, like, really, I understood after I was in there for a little bit. Yeah. Like, and then I went there every time I went to the mall. Got a bunch of those thick bracelets. The, boobie, oh, those... the boobies bracelets. Oh, my gosh. That was such a wild time. Was that the also the era of Tamagotchis? I think Tamagotchis that was, a little, was a little before. That yeah. was a little earlier. Gosh, yeah. those were weird yeah. times. The, the and 2000s. oh, what about the what about the silly bands? Everybody... Silly bands was eighth grade. That was like 2011. <laughs> Yikes! Oh, not 2011. Were we in eighth grade in 2011? No way. We were in high school. 2009, I entered high school. So. Yeah. Yeah. So 2000, like nine, ten were silly bands. Yeah. God, I can't believe that was like a fad. Mine. I had the band set with, um, I had, like, the green drums, the gray microphone, and then the black guitar. Those are my colors, black, green, and gray. I just did a lot, I collected a lot of animals. Oh, yeah. Giraffes, elephants, that kind of thing. Black, green, and gray, uh, etnies that I wore all the time. Very nostalgic. Oh, yeah. Converse, I still wear Converse, but... I'm really getting sent back. We need to, we need to stop. I know. Thank you for listening to Were You Even Listening? Um, please listen to this album. It's, it's like <laughs> it's it's good. It's we wouldn't steer you wrong. Like I think we have a very good taste in music. Flex, we have a we have like, like a, <laughs> a broad but also sort of like appreciate like if I feel like our stance is you may not like the same music as us, but we know what a good song sounds like. Yeah. And, like, that comes from, I mean, we've been in radio for a while. At least four years at this point. Yeah. A little bit longer than that, actually. Yeah. And, but. I mean, and I've been doing stuff with Modern Vinyl and Stereo Confidentials. So like, there's, there's... Flex. There's music experience. We know what, we know what's good. And especially... And this album's good. And if you're somebody who's, like, we, good rock doesn't come out nowadays... Uh, here you go. Here's like, this. <laughs> like, there you go. You got Interpol and now you got this. Like, Anchor.com backslash. Yeah, we're on. <laughs> we're even listening podcasts. We're on Anchor where you can listen through like nine different platforms. iTunes. Apple, Stitcher. Spotify. Spotify is my favorite. Google Podcasts. Um, I looked into the analytics for um, We're Even Listening because Anchor does that now. And um, 60% of our listeners listen on Apple devices. That's nice, mm-hmm. especially since, like, there's no way to um, count the plays on Apple. Get on that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can see a lot of our listeners apparently are in California also, which is odd to me. Thank you, Callie. Like, if, if it's anyone... Is it all my Coachella friends? If it's, like, your Coachella friends and, like, <laughs> Mike from Stereo Confidential just, like, That's... playing it back and forth. Love it. Speaking <laughs> of Coachella, less than a month away. I'm sure I'll talk about it later. I haven't been yeah, talking about it But you all. will. But I will. All right. Thank you again for listening. Um, 
fun things coming yeah. out. Oh, yeah, there's, for the rest of the there's, there's lots coming up in the coming weeks. We're doing um, our second half of the 2009 mm-hmm. uh, episode, and, you know, Lana Del Rey's album is coming out soon. Yeah, and, and this episode just won't end. Yeah, so we're really dragging yeah. this out. All right, yeah, yeah. so goodbye. Say. Yeah, okay. <laughs>